Welcome to the Bullet Hole Podcast. I'm Lyle Cadell, the media manager here at the Bullet Hole. And uh, we are always either brought to you by Custom Built Firearms Manufacturing, which today we'll put a plug in for. Uh, We have a whole lot of ARs, and we uh, have about six or seven dealers across Kansas and Missouri at this point in time, and we're growing. And uh, if you want to become a dealer, by the way, and you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it via podcast, uh, give us a call. Uh, But we do. We have a full line of ARs, and we stay in pretty busy these days so anyhow but that's custom built for life custom built firearms manufacturing anyhow to the subject today we have with us merle eddington and merle uh around here he, he's he's known but uh you, you got a lot of a lot of hardware on your walls i imagine in the competition realms um tell us a little bit about yourself and where i mean how things started out and and we'll just kind of go from there sure uh so I'm originally from Southern Oregon and mm, grew yeah. up, uh, you know, in the outdoors. My dad was an avid fisherman and hunter, and mm-hmm. you know, so like a lot of kids, uh, that was, uh, you know, the way that my family went. And so yeah. that was a that was a great introduction to firearms and and everything outdoors. You know, quite honestly, um, I went in the military when I was 17. Oh wow! And straight out of high school and. Uh, uh, spent a couple years in Germany, came back to the States. But then when I really uh, wanted to start exploring competitive shooting, uh, I went back to Germany. I was stationed in the Berlin Brigade, so hmm. when the wall was up and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing, you know, important piece of history. And we had a, a local club there where we did some pistol matches as well as some rifle stuff, and we had a lot of local Germans that competed with us, etc. And... Uh, Action Pistol, or IPSC, USPSA, was was relatively new over there then, and saw some of it, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd watch it on films and things like that, and I thought, man, that, that is really cool, yeah. you know. Um, and I PCSed, or, or moved back to the U.S., I went to South Carolina, okay. um, and we had a local... Uh, indoor range just like the bullet hole down right down the street from my house and went by there got to know uh, the owner a little bit and and he was willing to to work with me and give me a place to practice and i i'll tell you what i went to my first match i didn't know anything showed up with a (laughs) 1911 and a couple of magazines and you know shooters are the best people in the world and uh, folks helped me out by loaning me holsters and belts and mag pouches and telling me what the rules were and all this kind of stuff and and man was i ever bit by the bug at that point and how long ago has that been there and more years than i care to actually think uh so i shot that was in 87 and i shot my first nationals uh the following year in 88 wow yeah long time in some of the national competitions that you've shot in what what are they um, well, really, a lot of my focus was at the USPSA mm-hmm. and then IPSA, which is just the international mm-hmm. version of that. Uh, but I've also competed in the Bianchi Cup, uh, the original Steel Challenge, uh, the Masters Tournament, uh, some big IPSC matches mm-hmm. overseas. I've shot in um, – here lately, I've shot a lot of sporting clays. Uh, in fact, last week I shot at the U.S. Open. Um, I've shot a lot Colorado. of – uh, well, or no, was that, that was a pistol no. match, and the next week was the U.S. Oh, Open here right. in Kansas. That's right, it was here. Yeah, no, that, yeah it moves around every year. It yeah. just happened to be in, in uh, about two and a half hours from Flint here. Oaks, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. And so it was it was great. Um, and so, yeah, I've been able and been very, very fortunate to shoot a lot of bigger matches, regional and mm-hmm. state level and national championships, that kind of thing. So you've been around a lot of a lot of the big names, probably too. That, oh sure, uh, yeah. I mean, people would probably recognize Jerry Mitchellick or yep. uh, any of the Mitchellicks, for that matter. <laughs> That's right. No, I know Jerry and Kay and uh, yeah. Robbie uh, Latham and I have been pretty good friends for oh, years. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Brian Enos, uh, I've known for forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anybody that was, you know, really kind of in that that earlier portion when USPSA really took off, uh, you know, I've known those guys. Hackathorn. What did he did he help start USPSA or I? Yeah, he did. Uh, and he was uh, Ken was a uh, instrumental part in the whole USPSA okay. thing, and then. You know, he and Bill Wilson and some other guys yeah. uh, kind of split off. You know, that they formed really what became IDPA okay. as USPSA became more uh, of a sport and less mm-hmm. practicality-oriented. Yeah. So that's where the IDPA part came in. So, I mean, with, with USPSA, um, what are some of the rules that, that you guys kind of go by then? Sure. I mean, what are... Well, like anything firearms related, obviously safety rules are always yeah. first, you know, and there's a 180 degree rule, which is probably the biggest thing. So the uh, no matter how your body is oriented in relation to the stage, the firearm has to stay pointed downrange, mm-hmm. no matter what. I yeah. mean, that's just without a doubt. And anytime that you're not actively engaging a target, so if you're moving, uh, you're reloading, you're doing anything else, your finger has to be outside of the trigger guard. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if something were to happen, you, you're you're moving rapidly and you fall. Well, that's bad. It would be much much worse if the firearm were to discharge. So we do everything sure. we can safety wise. Um, and then after that, uh, the rules can be a little long winded, a little convoluted, but okay. but suffice them to say that the the biggest part of it is to level the playing field. So if you and I were going to compete against each other, mm-hmm. um, they have different divisions which are based on the equipment type. Right. Mainly gun type. So we would be shooting a like gun. And then they have classes within each of the divisions based on how well you've shot in the past. Like that's master class things. being the biggest, I'm assuming. Grandmaster's the, the highest. Okay. And then master A, B, C, D. Okay. And uh, obviously you'll go up or down in those classes throughout mm-hmm. your shooting career as you progress, hopefully. Um so that that really levels the playing field. While you're still competing against everyone, you're really competing against folks with a a similar firearm and a similar mm-hmm. level of skill. What do you use for a firearm right now? Right now, I, I use a, a Sig X5 with an optic on it okay. uh, from Seymour Sights. So uh, in nine millimeter. So they have mm-hmm. a division called Carry Optics, which mm-hmm. has gotten to be very big, obviously in the firearms sure. industry. Um, I really like the Sig. It's done very well for me. I've shot it for the last couple of years, but I've shot pretty much everything. Open, which you can pretty much do anything you want to with the firearm. Mm-hmm. Uh, limited. Uh, they have a production division, which is more of a stock gun kind of thing. Okay. Uh, then they have a division for 1911s as well, okay. as well as revolvers. So it really covers the bases. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. Now, so if you compete, you know, here domestically, can you compete internationally at this, uh, or is it totally different? The some of the rules are a little bit different. They they started out the same, and then they've morphed okay. over time. Um, it it would 
you would need to understand what the international rules are if you went to mm-hmm. an international level of match. Um, for instance, in uh, the mid-90s, I shot in Sweden for the international championships. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to understand what those rules are. So there are some nuances. There's some differences in them. Okay. But the overarching rules are much the same. So, um, and then you said you got in, you're really into clays now. I shoot um, a lot of sporting clays, yeah. 12 or 20? Or 28? I, I shoot mean, uh, 12 gauge in all the big events, or I call yeah. them big gun events, and yeah. then I shoot a, a 28 gauge quite a bit. I, I, that is, there's a, a revival, really, of the oh, 28. Yeah. I, it, I, it's amazing. You know, I knew very little about a 28 mm-hmm. gauge because everything hunting is 12 gauge right. stuff. Yeah. Um, Started shooting some sporting clays and then uh, had a friend that introduced me to the 28. Yeah. And I was just absolutely amazed at what you could do with that smaller cartridge. And yeah. Just truly amazing. And no recoil, very little noise, fun to mm-hmm. shoot. It's it's just a lot of fun. People underestimate it. They really do, I think. And, and I grew up, my grandpa was a gunsmith, and so... We grew up, I mean, 12 and 20 and 16. Yep. Uh, 16 was big around our, our, our place. And so I grew up hand loading 16 gauge when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, and I still own the 16 gauge that I was given. But, uh, um, but yeah, the, the 16 and 28 are now you just, 28 especially, you're seeing this resurgence. People are realizing that yeah. you can get even hunting, that you can actually get shot. You know, literal shot on target, just like a 12 gauge almost. You know, you're using the right ammo. That's right. Um, and you don't have that, you know, whapping you back in the shoulder, you know. But well, uh, well, in a lot of cases, I think a 28 is a much better alternative. Um, young people, for instance, a lot of parents want to get a kid a, a 410. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the worst choice in the world. Uh, 410 truly is an expert's cartridge because it's yeah. so small. Yeah. The payload is so small. Um, so you give that to a younger person that's really trying to figure out if they even like this sport. They're not hitting anything. They get depressed by it. You can give them a 28. Mm. It carries a good bit bigger payload, not much more recoil or noise. Yeah. And they can really learn to shoot the So thing what well. are you shooting with a 28? A CZ? Uh, where are we at? No, so I shoot a Garini in 28 okay. gauge just because I, I wanted something. Uh, I shoot a Craigoff Parkour for the 12 okay. gauge. And I wanted something with a little bit similar dynamics. So I, I wanted 32-inch barrels and that kind of thing. Okay. And so the Garini fit that. Reach out, reach well. out there and touch something. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not just that. It's, uh, you know, that longer radius that you're looking mm. down the barrels. Of course, you're, when you're shooting, you're looking at the target, not the right. barrels. But uh, the longer barrel is easier, in my mind, to make harder shots. Um, so the 32 seem to be a pretty good compromise. So in the X, you said your SIG is an X5. Is X5, right? yeah. And that is right. a five-inch gun. So yeah, yeah. I, you're, that that radius big on that end for you as well. Then. Well, it is when you're shooting sights, and so I've shot it both ways with the iron sights on it. Now I'm shooting it a lot with a dot, yeah, uh, and really like the dot. That, that was where I was going to go next. Yeah, I was wondering. I mean, you're, you're you know getting to where the eye sights probably, you know, starting to challenge. I yep. am. I'm there. Was yep. at the eye doctor yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> and and um, you know, and I've held off. I've been, I've been a you know an iron sight person for a long, long time. I still am, but I'm, I'm playing with the idea because I have astigmatism in both eyes, mm-hmm. and so it, you know. But I was wondering how you, I mean, have transitioned into that 
you know that world and and, and most people do they come out and they're like oh dude you know, i'm not going back you know type of thing yeah i i still really enjoy shooting an iron sight gun really like a 1911 yeah. or something like that i'm yeah. fortunate that my eyes are still good, good enough that i can good. shoot those well <laughs> um but there's nothing like a dot and of course i shot a dot on a gun uh when i shot open all the time and uh, then having a firearm set up with a dot on it to shoot carry optics it, it's it it is a lot easier and the that segment of the sport in the last 18 months has just grown yeah exponentially now and what dot do you run on top of the sig then a seymour Okay. Hey, you said that, yeah. Yeah, see more with a 10-minute dot, and, and it works huh. fantastic for what Ten. I use it for. 10, wow. Yep. That's like, it's thinking well, huge. you wow. would think so, but again, you you know, so if you look at it on a 20- or 25-yard target, it's not covering yeah. much of the target. That's true. And because it's speed and accuracy, you want something that draws your eye very, very quickly, mm -hmm. which is what a bigger dot does versus a small one. Seymour's have a little larger window, too, don't they, right. than safe well even the delta point which has got a big old window on it yeah uh, but, i think it's uh, probably reasonably close to the delta point yeah. um but yes i mean certainly the the larger window is uh, mm -hmm. definitely an advantage yeah. and are you seeing across the board then i mean within the sport people are going that direction oh absolutely the so. the number of folks that are shooting in the carry optics division mm -hmm. um it has grown just hugely you know, like i said in the last mm -hmm. 18 months give or take a little bit we're seeing a lot of people go from limited class you know mm -hmm. very expensive guns very nice guns 1911 pattern guns typically some mm -hmm. cz's um but you can frankly you spend a lot less money and now you have a gun that's extremely competitive mm -hmm. and you have a dot so for those aging eyes or you know mm -hmm. not able to see quite as cleanly it takes one of the three things you know you got rear sight front sight and target with mm -hmm. sights now you have a dot and target yeah so one of those very, things very goes target away. focused yeah, yeah that's exactly right yeah well, let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll chat it. Just kind of go deeper into that and what, what drives your, your passion. Also, you teach I do. folks, so we'll yep. get into that in the second half. So okay. we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Bullet Hole Podcast. Again, I'm Lyle Cadell, the media manager here at the Bullet Hole, and we're sitting here with Merle Eddington, and he, uh, we've been talking about competition shooting, and uh, a lot of folks kind of mark that out. Uh, we, we talked in, in depth about you know your your gear and some, well, not in depth, but somewhat about your, your gear and stuff. Sure. And I think some folks mark it out, you know, well, it's a game. It's a game. Buff. You know, type of thing. I want you know, uh, is is there a drawover or excuse me a crossover between competition and carry for you or is it just the game? Yeah, you know that's a that's a great question. Um, you know my background's a little different because I did spend twenty years in the army and mm -hmm. ten of that was as a special forces weapon sergeant and mm -hmm. so I have a lot of that background as yeah. well. And yes, USPSA is a sport. There's no, no two ways around it. It's not meant to be a tactical kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Having said that, the skills that you learn in an fast-paced environment like a USPSA type of match mm -hmm. and the amount of pressure that you're dealing with, while yeah. nothing like real life, it's as close as you're going to get till somebody's yeah. shooting at you. <laughs> you know, and hopefully we can avoid that. Um, but the skills that you gain by being able to rapidly engage a target by the ability to 
to manipulate a firearm under pressure, you know, mm-hmm. load, reload, uh, engage multiple targets, multiple shots on targets, all those kinds of things are extremely transferable. Yes. I mean, you, you guys deal with a, a, B, and C zone type stuff. That's so, right. Um, you know, for anybody that's wondering what A, B, and C zone is, if you go, <laughs> you look at a competition target, the A zone is approximately, what is it, about a about six, six by 12. Six, yeah. Uh, area and you go to the b and the c and the d zone uh, in, the, in the thoracic area so um you wanted to get it in the middle we'll put it that way. <laughs> that's right yeah and it, you know and that's uh one of the important aspects of it is it's not just points so it's not bullseye type mm-hmm. of shooting you know um but it's not pure speed either because we take the points you shoot on the target divided by your time that's what i was going to ask yeah Yeah. see how you guys did that okay and so you have to learn to kind of dance down that edge of not only am i am i very fast Mm -hmm. um, and economy of motion etc but i'm also able to shoot very accurately at the same time so the vast majority of my shots are in the a zone and for for a high level uh competitive shooter you need to have somewhere 92 to 94 percent of your shots need to be in the a zone yeah you know wow and and so yeah you're you're shooting very well and very very quickly right and those are obviously transferable skills how did how how do you you know i mean especially with the ammo apocalypse type of thing (laughs) going on i mean how do you practice for that Uh, personally yeah, well, I'm, it, I mean, like most competitive shooters, I'm a reloader. You know, yeah. so I have uh, a couple Dylan presses set up, and, and okay. I always have a pretty fair amount of reloading supplies all the time. Um, one of my main sponsors is Blue Bullets, so they take okay. good care of me, making sure I have bullets, and then obviously, you know, powder and, and primers. Primers being the hardest thing to yeah, get powder right, right now. now. Um, but having said all that, you know, there's still an awful lot that you can do through dry fire, yeah. uh, through just manipulation of the firearm, you know, going through the motions and, and doing dry practice sessions. Yeah. And then I think even more important is the quality of practice, not the quantity. Okay. And that's where a lot of people struggle, quite frankly. They have 150 rounds or 200 rounds or something, and I'm going to go to the range and practice. Mm-hmm. Well, they go to the range and they continue to do the exact same things they've always done which means you don't get any better. Hmm. You know, until somebody says, hey, this is what you need to work on and here's what you need specifically to do and the technique you need to use, Hmm. you're just going to continue doing the exact same things and hoping for a different outcome. And that is called (laughs) insanity. That's right. (laughs) So now when you do your dry fire, it was a, uh, what is the guy that's based out of Vegas, I think? uh, Is it JJ? JJ Ricasa? Yeah said he spends like an hour and a half a day yeah that's uh that's way more than than i can do uh that's uh, i I don't have the mental patience for that i I really think that uh for a lot of folks especially as you're starting out and you're really trying to refine some fundamentals Mm -hmm. you know if you can spend 20 minutes three times four times a week Hmm. you will see an incredible improvement so it's almost like exercise then that's right you know exactly right so and that's why i tell people is it well you know i'm busy i have life and i have work and i have family and mm-hmm. i get it we all do yeah you know yeah. um however nothing says that you can't get up 20 minutes earlier in the morning and dry fire yeah. before you kids get up and you go sure. to work yeah are there any dry fire dry fire tools that you found to be helpful uh just little 
You know, the pieces of equipment are just the gun. I mean, yeah, I use the gun and dummy rounds because I want the magazines to feel like they're loaded, mm-hmm. and I want the weight of the gun yeah. to feel loaded all the time. And then, of course, I use a timer. You know, okay. and I start and stop everything. Um, but one of my big things, uh, as you're as you start down that dry fire practice road, is perfection of fundamentals. And to get perfection of fundamentals means you have to slow way down, exaggeratedly slow, so Mm. that you can truly feel and see everything that your hands are doing. Where are your eyes? One of your eyes shifting from the target to the side and back. And you can't do that if you're just trying to go fast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the old axiom that, what does it say? Um, To go to go fast you have to go how can you well remember the th- yeah there's a couple of them you know one is you know uh slow is smooth and smooth yeah, is fast which i go. totally disagree <laughs> with and on every level um but it's you really need to learn the correct way of doing these things mm. before you start adding the element of speed in yeah. you know you know none of us are going to get our driver's license and go drive in the indy 500 no you know we need to learn to truly drive and then we'll yeah. continue to progress and you know maybe eventually end up there yeah right same kind of thing in shooting so when you're saying exaggerated motion i mean are we and we're talking slowly coming out that's exactly right and building the neural pathway then that's exactly right so where you want to go you know if you're if you think that on a seven yard open target you know your average draws one second or Mm 1.1 you know i'm going to draw in three seconds or three and a half seconds because i want it to Mm -hmm. be exaggeratedly slow so that i feel and see everything that's going on because it's the it's the little nuances that take a a really really good shooter Mm -hmm. to being a great shooter does it make you know? You, you, I think folks too, when they go to the ballpark, you know, and they see a, a batter puts on a weight, you know, on, on the bat, and they're in the, the you know, getting ready to bat, and they're sitting over there swinging this thing, and, and, it, and a lot of folks may not know what that is, but it's have really heavy, and right. it causes the bat to to be really heavy, and then when they get to the plate, the, the bat's like, mm, light, you know, right, and wham, and uh, so their bat speed is you know a lot faster. Is that kind of the same? concept in a way yeah Uh, but but to to me that's in the practice piece not in the dry fire piece okay so and and i think your practice regimen has to be set up so that you're working on very specific things at specific times of the year you know getting ready for a major match or the nationals or something and kind of my thing has always been as you're as you're progressing along and you're getting ready for that large tournament that you want to do well in you should really be putting the gas pedal down hard you know you're, Mm. you're going fast uh, you're willing to sacrifice some of the A zone hits for C zone hits, as long as they're still there in the C zone, and you're calling the shot well. You're, mm-hmm. you're focusing on moving and reloading and getting set up and breaking down your position and all that. And then as you get closer and closer to that match, you back off the gas just a little bit, so that if your if your speed in practice truly is a 99 percent, mm-hmm. I want to go to the major match and I want my speed to be at 96 percent. But those C zone hits become A zone hits now. Mm, so gotcha. the the end result is I have less opportunity or less chance of shooting a bad shot, having a miss or a no shoot or another penalty of some kind. Um, and the better points are going to make up for the slightly slower time. Okay. So in the end result is I'm shooting even better. So now we, I mean, we talked a lot about you know pistol here with USPSA. Yep. Um, what, how did the shotgun come along? <laughs> I mean, and, how, yeah. uh, and, and the differences. I mean, we're, uh, we're talking 
vastly two different yeah, you know yeah. two different competitions two different sports right night and day and you know and that's always been one of my one of my goals is i wanted to be a very good well-rounded shooter hmm. so i shoot some a lot of long-range rifle and and all these other things and uh had a friend that introduced me many years ago to sporting clays uh mm-hmm. when i was more shooting for a living um mm-hmm. you know shooting uspsa stuff and I needed an outlet from that, you know, because mm-hmm. from from being my outlet and, and my sport, mm-hmm. it became my job. Right. Well, now I need a sport yeah. again. Yeah. And so I, I found sporting clay shooting. And, and to me, it's a lot like USPSA in that the stages are never the same. The shooting positions always have different target presentations. Mm-hmm. Um you're not told how to shoot the targets, just like in a USPSA stage. Mm-hmm. You figure that out for yourself. What's going to work best for you? Where you break the target? Where do you hold? Etc. Um, yeah, and, and really just have have loved it. Yeah, yeah. met yeah. a lot of great people and, and just enjoy it. It is. It's a, you know, and and I have well, good friend of mine is Ken Corbett over at uh, Ravenwood, Lodge, Ravenwood Lodge over in, uh, near Topeka. And of course, they have competitions and stuff over there too. And then I know some of the guys at Flint Oaks and, and down towards Wichita. Um, but uh, uh, no, it is. It's a it's a different, a totally different lifestyle in, in a way. I mean, it's yep. very you know settled back, you know, type of thing. And, That's right. Yeah. yeah. And one of the other things too is uh, you know people have always said that sporting clays is a lot like golf with a shotgun. Yeah, there you go. And uh, <laughs> and that's pretty true. You know, there's yeah. a lot of business deals that get done out yeah. on the sporting clays range. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of folks that you meet that you'll end up with doing business yeah. at some point or other. Um, and you don't, you know, at a point in USPSA, it's tough to compete with guys that are 25 years old as you get mm. older and older. It, I mean, you lose a step. I mean, yeah. that's just part sure. of nature you know sure. you're not quite as fast as you once were maybe your eyesight's not quite as good yeah. um and while true in sporting clays there's still some some fabulous shooters that are in their 70s yeah you know that are yeah. that are just I, I shoot with a guy uh here locally um that has been on the the u.s fee task team fee task okay. is a type of sporting clays he's been on the u.s team for many many years gary wallstrom fabulous shooter um just just love calling him a friend he's been my coach at times as well i've, I've learned so much from him you know wow. and he's over 70 years old and i'll tell you what that guy can flat shoot yeah uh, and when i go out to to ravenwood sometimes uh, again ken's a good friend and and uh it's you know they got a clubhouse you know when they drink and, and have a cigar or whatever yep. together and they they'll go out and shoot you know and, and they come back in and talk about well yeah you missed and they, they jab each other you know and, that, and it is it's like golf type yeah. of thing and and uh but th- i know one one guy out there in particular who uh i believe he's still out there he actually helps fit folks for for shotguns sure and he is in his 80s and so it's yep. and i it is interesting how it can go f- from young people you know in the shooting clay sports uh, all the way up to, you know, 80 years old. Yeah, one of the best shooters right now is a 17-year-old uh, young man from Tennessee. He's kind of taken the place by storm in the yeah. last year or so, you know. And then you have folks well into their 70s yeah. and 80s that are still extremely competitive. What was the guy that shot for Winchester? Um, he passed away here, Tom. Oh, Tom Na- um, Knapp. Yes. 
I always, I always enjoyed watching his videos, man. I mean, you're just sitting there in awe of this guy yeah. going, what in the world? Holy cow. I was fortunate enough uh, to see him shoot a couple of demos uh, a yeah. couple different times. Um, yeah, great guy, too. Yeah. I didn't know him well, but just yeah. knew him enough to say hello. And, and uh, certainly what he could do with a shotgun was yeah. not only entertaining, but it's really eye-opening. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's cool to me. I mean, That's right. It's very fascinating. So as far as teaching goes, um, you, you teach folks for the for pistol competition that's right and then also for for shotgun then too if they want to get into yeah. shooting sporting plays yeah absolutely the it, and on the pistol side i've i do work with some law enforcement folks and some other folks oh, wow. that are more interested in real life kind of thing because uh-huh. again there's a lot of crossover and right that kind of thing uh but i do a lot of work with folks that, are, that want to get into the competitive realm mm-hmm. you know and we have our matches here at the bullet hole on friday nights mm-hmm. it's a great way for folks to come in and and get introduced to the sport and then yeah. they figure out if it's them and do they want to continue on right. or you know what at what level are they interested and then the the sporting clays has a very regimented way of becoming an instructor so mm-hmm. NSCA, the Sporting Clays Association, mm-hmm. has classes that you have to attend and tests you have to take and all this to become a certified instructor, which is, okay. I think, a fantastic program. Um, so I, I did that a couple years ago, I guess three years ago now, and have started uh, the last couple years doing one-on-one instruction, mostly out at Powder Creek, mm-hmm. you know, here in town. And yeah. A lot of newer shooters, same kind of thing, newer shooters that come out, they shoot Sporting Clays once or they shoot Skeet or Trap and are like, this is a lot of fun, yeah. but it'd be more fun if I break more targets. <laughs> you know? so. Teach me, oh, teach me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's how we all learn. So, yeah. yeah. How do people get a hold of you then? I mean, if they wanted to get sure. a hold of you, I've got a website. It's uh, shooting solutions, LLC.com. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get okay. me because my phone number's on there, email address, right. all that kind of thing. And then if I have uh, upcoming. Uh, competitive classes so group classes mm-hmm. then then we put those on there as well are you and you are teaching some here if I, or have you have you we have we've taught the Mike? introduction to competitive yeah. shooting here which is typically mm-hmm. a half a day kind of thing brand yeah. new shooters we bring them in yeah kind of give them the rules and yeah. and just kind of get their feet wet the first time yeah. you know get the the heebie-jeebies out of the way <laughs> Uh, but then I do a lot of classes out at Mill Creek. I've got one, I think, July 11th um, that is, a, a, I call it a phase one class. So it's it's really it's for about anybody, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. But we really focus on 100% correct fundamentals. It's mm-hmm. all day. It's going to be a long, hot day. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You shoot a lot. Um, and I tell everybody, you know, people talk about, well, you know, it's expensive to go to a class, or I don't know if I want to spend the money or the ammo or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can keep going to the range and doing the same things. You're going to end up with the same result. Yeah. And my rule for the class has always been you pay for the class after the class is over and only if you feel you got more than your money's worth. I'll be doggone. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. I can't, can't think of a way I can make it any better. Yeah. Yeah. Will you do a one-on-one with somebody too? Absolutely, I do. I do a fair amount of one-on-one stuff okay. when we when we really identify somebody that is not going to benefit as much from the group lesson, mm-hmm. and then we start doing it. Typically, I do it in two-hour blocks. Okay, that, that seems to work out pretty well. Yeah, good deal. No, I mean that's it's fascinating. I you know I've not really gotten into the shooting sport acting you know, part of it <clears throat> as much and uh i've always been a recreational shooter and then large i do a lot of hunting uh all my life have been but sure. uh no i mean it fascinates me you know from an outsider's perspective to learn 
and uh, and to see the passion i know greg and others around here i mean and i've been down on friday nights you know and just right. kind of watched and and you can come in by the way on friday nights i don't think you guys are going to push anybody out no as long as you have your, your yeah. eyes and ears on by the way that's right um and just watch um maybe you don't want to shoot and you're like yeah that just scares the living jeebies out of me because those dudes are really good and yeah i think i'll just stand back here and watch uh friday nights uh, it's a the, what is it, the bullet hole what did you bullet hole practical shooters yeah there we go the bullet hole pra- practical shooters uh starts at six, six well six thirty. we actually start shooting so we always tell yeah. people you know if you can be here six at the latest six fifteen. The first night in particular that you come down, we really urge you to be here about 6 mm-hmm. because we give you a, a personal safety briefing, and then we'll take you out and walk you through the stages. Mm-hmm. So you get some one-on-one help, you know, that first night to get over that, gotcha. that angst, you yeah. know, that you're going to have as a new competitor. So if you want to come in and, and check it out for the first time or maybe, you know, a couple times or whatever it needs to be, you know, get, Merle mm-hmm. will be there uh, and then Greg and, and Mike. Uh, Mike Hackemeyer's is yeah. going to be there. and Yeah, lots of good folks yeah. to help out. Yeah, and that's the one thing that, it, that every time I went down there, and I know many of you, you guys uh, personally, but um, I know others that have gone down too uh, and are looking into it. They come away going, man. I mean, they were like really nice dudes. I mean, you know, yeah. and and it's and it isn't a you know, hey, uh, who who's that guy? Huh, you know, type of thing. Rather, it's hey, man, come on, you know, and it's very welcoming, and I, I think that's really really good. And the shooting sports, you said that earlier. Um, the shooting sports, uh, you you'll find uh, friendly people. That, well, that's they're a, they're the greatest people yeah. in the world, and we we really want especially that bullet hole friday night tournament mm-hmm. we, we want that to be very welcoming especially for the newer shooter to come down and mm-hmm. get their feet wet a little bit and all that kind of stuff and yeah. um you know nothing would turn somebody off faster than if it wasn't like that so we, the, we want you to get in there. i'm assuming even on the national scale when you guys have matches i mean it's you know yeah you're, you're competing you know, and you're trying to beat each other, but at the end of the day, you're friends. Well, and, that's exactly right. You're, you, know, you are, and, and some of my, you know, my best friends I've met through shooting or, or yeah. on the outskirts of shooting. Now, now, don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, we're we're fierce competitors. Yeah. Oh, you know, absolutely. when it's time for that, you know, but <laughs> nobody's going to do anything underhanded or anything like that. Right. And you said an interesting thing. You know, you, you're competing against somebody, mm-hmm. but really, you're only competing against yourself. Hmm. I can't impact your score. All I can it's do true. is impact my score. It's right? true. So as long as I can shoot within my ability and do well, then you're going to do the best you can, and I hope you come in second. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you know, Very but that, good. that's that's the way it is. So we yeah. we just want to shoot for ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, you're going to, uh, you know, after Friday nights we shoot the match and. We typically go out somewhere and get, uh, get some Mexican or food or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And, then, and I always say we do the what-if scoring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's yeah, a good time. It always is. Well, it's been excellent just to get in and sit down and talk with absolutely. you. Absolutely. Enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Good and stuff. We'll, we'll have to – maybe we'll get some other guys and we'll talk – have, have the round table here of the nights. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, there, there's some and, great folks out there that uh, certainly are welcoming to anybody that comes in and yeah. wants to shoot and uh, would love to – to get more folks involved that's what it's all about and it's shooting solutions llc.com that's right that's okay right. so if you want to get a hold of merle and you want to get some one-on-one time or or class time or and that whether it's being on, on the pistol or on the shotgun uh make sure you get a hold of him and uh always check us out uh, we got stuff going on too here for different 
yep. classes and stuff, check us out at thebullethole.com. Down the bottom of the page, you'll find our training and, and uh, uh, classes schedule. Um, if you click on the link, anyhow. <laughs> but <laughs> otherwise, you can buy all the goodies on the, on the website, too. Uh, but uh, no, appreciate it so much, Merle. Well, thank thanks you for having me. For, thanks for being on. And uh, until next time, y'all, as it says on our sign back here, protect, compete, and learn uh, right here at the bullet hole. So take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you later.